Okay. All right. All right. Let's just say one day. One day in the future, I'm shopping for a new dog. I want a new dog. And I want a Labrador. And I know there's plenty of different colors of Labradors. There's even a couple of different types of Labradors. But I was just fully convinced that the Golden Lab was the best. Yeah, there's a white lab. There's a yellow lab. There's a chocolate lab. There's a black lab. But I was totally convinced. It was my truth that the Golden Lab was the best. Actually the best. Superior to the other colors of Labrador. And I lived my life feeling that way. Looking down on the other labs. Like I would never own a chocolate Labrador. I would never own a yellow. Ugh. Labrador. I would never own a black lab. Are you kidding? No. You gotta get one of those really expensive, obedient, wonderful looking golden Labradors. Any other dog? Fucking filth. Are you kidding me? In the Labrador community? Why would I even acknowledge the other colors, the other types? Nah. Well, if you heard me actually say that, I would sound like a complete fucking idiot. Like the dumbest guy you know. I'm entitled to believe that Golden Labs might be cuter, right? I mean, I could say aesthetically, I just like to look at them more than the other colors. We can have favorite colors. But if I was really walking around thinking, I'll tell you what the best dog is, the best Labrador, Golden, then something's wrong with me. And it's easy to point at that example and say, well, you're twisted in the mind. You're uneducated. You actually don't understand how dogs work. Or how species work. How animals work. You just don't get it. You weren't educated about dogs. So somewhere along the line, you were misinformed that one breed of dog could be better. And one color of a lab could be better than the other. So yeah, let's talk about racism. That's a charged word, isn't it? The word racist. And that's a intense word. But it's on my mind. And I can't get over how stupid these racists are. And when I say these racists, they are not in a closet. They're not hiding. Social media, the internet, has allowed them to just broadcast their ugly epithets. To publicize and spew out their toxicity all over the place. And it makes the news. And it impacts kids and adults and communities and entire countries. And what's it all based in? Really, stupidity. I mean, stupidity. I've talked about this before. Race in itself is a social construct. Now, we could have different skin colors. We could have you know, different hair. We could have different regions, but we're the human race. That's it. That's it. It's like Labradors. It's the same. It's the same. You're talking about a different color of fur, sir. You're talking about a different color of fur, and you convince yourself somewhere along your demented mind that one is truly better, superior. King of the lab world. Should not even intermix with the other labs. Really. You could trace it back. I think a lot of people who study the history can immediately, immediately just pinpoint the error in that type of thinking, in racist thinking. Now, racism, I could just say it's dumb, but it's also mean. So if you're just dumb, let's just say you're just dumb and you're racist. Okay, but if you're also mean and you need to hurt other people's feelings, then I'm probably not the first person to say planet Earth doesn't need you. Just fall in, sink into the ground, sink right into the ground. Wouldn't that be a beautiful sight 
in the world of science fiction if everybody, everybody who is truly racist, just tomorrow morning sunk into the ground and we moved on. We just moved on. Let's move on. We'd still be in a pandemic. We'd still have wildfires here in California, but it would just feel nice. So what heaviness am I feeling right now? The heaviness of talking with my students in government or world history and just asking them, who has seen an abuse of freedom of speech? They all raise their hand. Okay, and who has seen some racism on social media? They all raise their hand. And I say, who sees it every single day? And they all raise their hand. And I realize in this world of Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, they're seeing it. There's these little clusters of racists that think they're smart, think they're funny, want to be hateful. I don't know. Want to be spiteful, just misinformed, dumb humans who are using social media in the most negative of ways. But I have all these nice students who are exposed to it because that's what their life is, tapping a screen. When I was in high school, there were not less racists, but I just saw it a lot less. So you could say maybe I was naive because I was not exposed to it, but I just think it was fine that racists did not have such an outlet. I knew people did not like black people. I knew there were people that didn't like Jews, Asians, Mexicans, gay people. I knew it. But the fact that every single day I wasn't just seeing it from anonymous cowards on a screen, which could impact my mood, I think it allowed me to have a blissful high school experience. And when I see these high school kids just addicted to their screens, and a lot of them are being directed in directions that can make them sad or feel attacked, it's just so ugly. And who are these people? They're just dumb because there's no truth behind it. There's no truth behind a master race or one group being better than another. These are all just man-made concepts that belong in a toilet. No, a toilet sounds too clean. These concepts of racial hierarchy that we're inundated with, hearing about it, belongs in a porta potty. Like one of those porta potties at a concert, at a festival that's just been splattered. Like when you go in, you're not only holding your breath, but you're holding yourself. You know those porta potties you go in and it's just wet from the ceiling to the floor, toilet paper all over the place? That's where racism belongs. In the porta potties at a music festival, in a desert. That, that's where it belongs. Not in the faces of our utes. I'm sorry, are you saying ute? Yeah, youths. Just a little bit of education, right? Just a little bit of education could go a long way. Maybe travel a little bit. A little bit of exposure to see more of what you have labeled the other, these people. These people. And interestingly enough, it has not just been this linear path in our country from starting off with slavery, clearly owning humans as property, not counting them as citizens, clearly racist, of course. But it hasn't just been this path from the origin of the USA to where we are today, where you could say, see, it's obvious. It's obvious that they never had a chance. No, 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 no. When I say a little bit of education could go a long way, if people just knew about Reconstruction and the idea behind this, that there was a time, there was a time where a lot of African Americans were ascending. You're going back to the 1870s. There were 16 African Americans elected to Congress. Think about that. In the 1870s, you think I'm making this up? Right after slavery, right after the Civil War, a lot of black people knew about the democratic state. They knew how to utilize a vote. 
if you were to trace it back to these newly freed black Americans at this time of Reconstruction and saw that they were ascending, becoming sheriffs, becoming superintendents, elected to positions, political positions, community leaders, there were a good amount of black congressmen who could have been role models for future generations. And a lot of these amendments to the Constitution, you go back to the late 1860s as former slaves are becoming citizens, realizing, wait, we can use our votes for the most powerful measures to gain some equality. We could play the game called democracy. You could play this game called democracy. If you do it in its purest form, this is what should have happened. And it was happening. And then fear, racism, racism plus fear, white Southerners, it's not just in the South, you know, all over, starting to get nervous. Uh-oh, uh-oh, could they be taking over our country? We can't have that. So even seeing what was happening, just like for a blip, this is just a blip of U.S. history, where we actually had 14 African-Americans in the House of Representatives. Back then, this is the 1800s, two African-Americans in the Senate, in the U.S. Senate. And then it all comes crashing down. Here's the history. Here's the history to know where I'm saying they did have a chance at one point. Because what we're seeing right now is another uprising. We're seeing a lot of African-Americans who are saying, hey, uh, we're here. We matter. We'd like some equality. We'd like some justice. So to have any other opinion on that, like if you have any other opinion, like, no, I'm not for that. No, that's not a great idea. Then you're just such a piece of shit who's never experienced any sort of education to know that, A, these are humans just like you, like the same exact race. They're the same race, the human race. And also, you must understand that they were shoved down at this period of Reconstruction based on an election in 1876 where the Republicans were told it was a close election. It was Rutherford. Okay, it was Hayes, and now I have to Google. Here I am on a rant, and immediately I have to Google, who did Hayes beat out to get the White House? Hold on, stay with me. This is important. That's why I'm bringing it up. Election of 1876. There we go. All right, a guy named Samuel J. Tilden of the Democratic Party back then. Out of New York. And then Rutherford, Rutherford? That's a tough name. Rutherford B. Hayes becomes president in one of the closest races ever because... The Southern Democrats at this point in history are going to demand you withdraw the federal troops from the South. And these federal troops were the ones who were protecting the rights of the newly freed black folks who were now using democracy to gain higher up positions in society. And these federal troops, they had probably the most important job and they were just removed. They were removed because the Southern Democrats had a demand all right, you could take Rutherford B. Hayes in the White House and we'll just say, yeah, get the troops out of the South. So pretty much Reconstruction plummets. All of this black representation in Congress dries up, vanishes. You got to have role models. You got to see people to know that you're capable of being that. I think it's so powerful to see representatives who look like you, still is, in America. To this day, it's 2020. Congress is so white, so white. Our Supreme Court, so white. All of our presidents, aside from Obama, white. As if it's the norm. As if it's, yeah, this is how it's always been. Bullshit. No, there was a time, there was a little time, a little bit of time during Reconstruction. And now here we go. We've lapsed so hard. 
that it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to think that these NBA players and NFL players still have to put the message out there. I really, there's something about being an American right now when you see the inequality and the injustice. There's just something that feels gross. Like, how did we become this? Because there's also this simultaneous sense that we're so great, we're the best. We are the strongest nation and patriotism is a wonderful thing and we honor our flag and we honor our heroes and we do all those things too. And I'm just speaking from my own perspective. And then it's also the same exact country that systematically keeps certain minorities exactly in a place to remain a minority, not just, you know, population percentage numbers. That's not what I'm talking about. But this institutional segregation, when you see what our prison system looks like or how a lot of these inner cities don't have the funding for proper educations and proper avenues out of these rough areas, you start to realize it was all set up this way. This isn't like just some random confluence of events that made our country look the way it does right now. No, this is all. People are in charge. This is the result. If anybody in the last six months has lost faith in humanity for a moment, not entirely, but just for a moment here and a moment there, I get it. I get it. Now, I also see uplifting stories every day. I also see people in front of my own eyeballs, not on the screens, but in front of my own eyeballs. Great students, wonderful fellow teachers that I work with, good neighbors in the area, you know, good friends, acquaintances. There's good people out there, good strangers. And then it reaffirms, okay, you know what? There's enough good. But when you really hunt down the origins of racism, not just in this country, but beyond, thinking that they're not advanced, look at them. They're not as smart as us. They're not as advanced in medicine, in industry, in transportation. So we must go and push it into their lives and then treat them as objects. So the whole idea of slavery, I know I'm just going off right now. The whole idea of slavery, initially embraced in this country and then eliminated in this country and then any attempt to rectify it or even what you hear about nowadays with Bill's ideas for reparations, it's all gone backwards. There's never really been that solid of a period of progress. There hasn't. There hasn't. I'm still watching NBA games where the court says Black Lives Matter because it has to, because it hasn't been solved. I'm still watching these NFL games that have these very moving commercials this season about equality. It's like, what? Every time I think we're so advanced and so modern, you just have a wake-up call and go, no, we're not. No, we're not really. Are we better? Sure. But a lot of these racists are more amplified than ever. And I think that could skew our vision of how many of them are out there. I really do. I think that could alter how I view society. When I was in high school, did I think I was surrounded by tons and tons of racists? No. But nowadays you scroll through the wrong thread you go to a message board after a racially charged article about a crime. Oh my God. Yeah, you read a few people posting on a message board. It could actually rewire your brain to think you live in a town or you live in a state or you live in a region that's just full of anonymous Klansmen. So I don't know. I don't know. I just know education is key. And this isn't a rant of, oh, I'm so happy to be a teacher. No, I think we should value it more, make it a profession like we've anointed other professions and then really attract some of the top brains. Make it a lucrative field for a lot of people to realize the value could start eliminating some of the hate. Once you study, whoever you hate, once you study them and realize, oh, okay, 
They have a story. These are humans. If you're educated about that, then a lot of the time the hate can vanish. Think about all these people, these teenagers right now here in Marin, putting together lists. This is in the news lately, putting together lists of Jewish kids. I don't know why. Lists to harass. Do these people know anything about Judaism? No, they don't. They don't. They just get excited with the idea of hating a group that's been hated forever. And it's exciting. If your life is that painful where you need to inflict pain on others, hurt people, hurt people. We've heard it. It's true. If you're so uneducated, so mean, so dumb, that that's how you're going to live your life, attacking innocent people on Zooms, anonymous pieces of shit, who are going to go after Jewish students here or anywhere. And here's why I say, you're dumb. You're so dumb. It was our U.S. military that storms into those beaches in France, storms through Normandy in the D-Day invasion, and one of the most spectacular accomplishments in military history to liberate concentration camps. It's our own military that we celebrate. So if you think you're a proud American, yet you also hate Jews, it doesn't make sense. It actually doesn't make sense at all. To sympathize with Nazis? You realize Nazis were the Germans we fought in that war. Did you miss that part of history class? You proud American, you gun-toting American, who believes there's some sort of a master race going on that you need to preserve. You understand what happened, right? In the 40s? You haven't heard that? No? Yeah, those Nazis, uh, they were over there being led by a totalitarian fascist, by a Nazi madman. So that's a conflict of interest. You can't celebrate your American culture and claim that you also support this master race, these neo-Nazis. It's just, come on, a little bit. It's not like you have to take a whole class. Just a little bit of education. Just a little bit. A little bit. All right, I genuinely, genuinely had some lighthearted topics I wanted to get to. I went down a path. I don't even feel like there's a chance to transition. Wouldn't that be weird if I just started talking about ALF right now? Started talking about the last Netflix movie I saw? Should I? It's almost insensitive to go off on that long rant. You made it through that and now I'm like, hey, here's some things that we no longer use in society. Here's my top five things we no longer use. Sometimes you really don't even know your mood until you start talking to somebody, maybe for me right now, into a microphone. I didn't really understand where this one was going to go. I'll try though. I'll try to get into some other things. I did have this thought. What if when I was a senior in high school, this coronavirus pandemic hit? And when I was a senior in high school, there's no Google Classroom. There's no Zoom. What would learning have looked like for a high schooler? At that point, they send you home in March. That's when we were all sent home from the schools. And you remain home right now. What is it? Mid-September. We're all still home. What would learning have become? Right now, I could say I'm getting used to remote learning in the sense that it doesn't drive me crazy as it once did. I'm not feeling as stressed about it. It's still stressful, but I'm not feeling as stressed because the human condition can adapt. We are resilient. We've proven that. Humans are resilient. They can get through really brutally rough phases of life. Much rougher than remote learning. But at first it was... All panic for me. And now I'm 
in the rhythm, in the groove. And I was thinking, it's because I've got this amazing platform. Google Classroom, are you kidding me? I could post, I could give quizzes, I can grade, I can communicate quickly, post grades quickly. And it's got absolutely everything I need, except for the human interaction. And then Zoom, have you ever heard of Zoom? But Zoom allows me to see everybody. There could be polls, there could be breakout rooms, you know all the features by now, but really, that's a beautiful thing about 2020. Now, a pandemic hitting in 1999, that's the year I graduated high school. What would have happened? Here's what would have happened. All of your teachers, all seven of my teachers, would have brought packets, dense, thick, tall packets of classwork to the office for our parents to pick up, and we would bring it home, and periodically, we would go back and drop off some hard copy assignments. Safe to say, nobody would fucking learn a thing. Not a thing. And there are some days currently where I think, hey, there's some learning happening. Some learning happening. And it feels decent, I'll say. But if this hits in 99, or let me just say any of the years prior, I'm just making this my individual viewpoint, but forget it. Forget it. There'd be no learning. These dense packets that teachers would just provide to parents that we would bring home it'd be like firewood these assignments would be in the fireplace keeping the house warm kids wouldn't be doing that so for all the negatives that i've brought up about silicon valley creating this addiction to our devices to our screens to our sites and platforms i mean this this is like the exact opposite now we've been able to continue education in a sense we've been able to do all of the many things that we couldn't have done in previous years. Will the students appreciate that? Fuck no. I try to do that rant with them. You guys should be lucky we have Zoom and Google Classroom. They're like, we're not feeling so lucky. Call us crazy, but this doesn't exactly feel like good fortune. I think they win that debate. To call these kids lucky nowadays? Nah. Not so much, not so much, but blue skies ahead, blue skies ahead, blue skies ahead, beep, All right, let me jump into this bullshit. Let me just jump further into this bullshit. The amount of things that bust onto the scene in the world of consumerism that seem like they're just going to be around forever, but then they just fizzle and die out, it's always astounding to me. I always love this topic of things that people clamored to buy at one point that future generations don't give a shit about, will not be embracing. And I assume some of you are in my age range where you kind of remember these things. Like, do you remember shoehorns in the house? Shoehorns for people that needed extra help getting their shoes on. I don't think anybody my age who has a home and a family is using a shoehorn. I also remember there was a shoebox full of shoe polish in my parents' closet when I was real young. Who's polishing shoes still? I mean, my age. I just turned 39 yesterday. So I guess generation, late 30s, whatever we are called. We don't have shoehorns or shoe polish at home, right? So all that, that industry's done. And what else? What else, you're wondering? You could add to my list. There's a list. There's a list. We're not making juice with the frozen, you remember this? In like a little cylinder, the Minute Maid, the frozen juice from concentrate where you throw that into the pitcher and then you keep adding water and keep adding water and keep adding water. 
I don't even know if they still sell it, but if they do, no one's buying that anymore, right? You're just buying your juice already made. You don't buy juice now and come home and think, all right, it's time for six extra steps. All right, it's time to take out the frozen juice concentrate. And then we're going to do pitcher, 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 and then more water. No, no one's doing that. Of course, we all used to be doing that. And then when Crystal Light came around, that changed the game. And no one's even doing Crystal Light anymore with the powder. You're just buying any drink you need all ready to drink the drink. I think you know that. I don't have that many. I don't have that many, but how's about kids having hamsters in their room? You remember how common that was in the 80s, early 90s? Kids just had hamsters in their room. Kids don't have hamsters anymore, right? You don't have guinea pigs. I don't even think... Teachers are sending you home with the guinea pig anymore, right? That used to be a big deal. In elementary school, ooh, the teacher is going to rotate. Who gets the guinea pig? Parents are like, fuck that. No thanks. You keep that guinea pig at school, or maybe let's just retire that custom altogether, because kids don't need gerbils in the bedroom. They just don't. And if that's still happening, then maybe I'm just naive. You remember the split keyboards? The ergonomic sloped keyboards? Where it's like half of the letters on one hand, all the other stuff on the keyboard on the other. You don't see those anymore, right? We just, we're back to flat keyboards with our laptops and our computers. Even desktop computers, almost extinct. With our laptops, we don't need the old hand ergonomic posture. I was never able to do it in my life. If I was to sit down at a computer lab and they had those sloped ergonomic keyboards for my hands to be on tilt, uh-uh, goodbye. I don't understand anything anymore. Where's home row? Gone. All right, I wrote down a couple more. Uh, car freshener. Oh, yeah, yeah. The cardboard trees. You remember these? I don't think we need those anymore. If your car smells so shitty that you think you're going to mask it with that little pine tree, or you get, oh, I got jasmine, or I got vanilla. You can collect all six, and then you would just hang them all. There'd be like a cornucopia. That's probably not the right word. There'd just be a variety pack hanging from your rearview mirror of all the smells at once. I got bubblegum and jasmine and vanilla and pine. And guess what? No one ever told you. They all smell like shit. And we still smell everything in the car. We still smell the rotten food in the back seat, but now it just smells like someone poured old chemicals on it, old cleaning supplies on it. I think we realize we don't have to get those at the gas station anymore. We're not. We're not buying the car freshener cardboard tree. The cardboard tree company. You're done, right? Or maybe I'm wrong about some of these. I don't know. Trash compactors in your kitchen? If you're listening right now, do you have one? A trash compactor? No, you just take out the trash. You don't go, we got to compact it. It was like, what, a 20-minute process? Another appliance to waste your electricity? You don't need that. All right, I'm exhausted from talking about racism so much and anti-Semitism. I'm exhausted. I could go on and on and on about the things that we're not using anymore, but aren't you ready? To continue your day or your night. Aren't you ready? You're like, I'm going to give 108 a chance. Episode 108. Let's see what he's got to say. And then you're like, whoa. Oh, boy. That was a little heavy. Now you need a shower. You need to go on a walk. Luckily, the air quality is pretty good right now. So you can go on a walk. I've never appreciated air quality like I am this week. Perspective. Perspective. We struggle. Then we appreciate the little things. All right. So yesterday, like I said, I turned 39. And it was a psychological experiment. I thought to myself, with everything going on, everything going on, storms, wildfires, hurricanes, pandemic, racism, a lot of ugly stories in the news locally. I was thinking, what about just September 15th? From the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, can I be in charge of my mood, intent? The word is intention. 
if that's my intent, just today's going to be happy. Can I achieve that? And I did. I did. It was a spectacular day. It was wonderful. Family reaches out, friends reaching out, even Facebook. You know, it's a pretty nice aspect of Facebook. All of these people, happy birthday that you haven't heard from for a long time. It's sweet. Makes you feel good. So thank you, Zuckerberg, for that. Enough for everything, Mark, but just, yeah, thanks for that part. My wife came through with the gifts and the balloons and the birthday hats because when you have a little kid, your birthday now becomes their party and you got to party hard like a two-year-old would with ice cream and cake and I got bagels and lox and pickles and chopped liver and whitefish salad. I went the distance. Platter full of onions, olives, and tomatoes. Marin Brewing Company, ales to boot. Holy shit, did I eat. And I ate, and I ate, and I ate, and I ate. Even found some kimchi at the farmer's market. Yeah, I found some kimchi, and I'm here to tell you about it. The best I've ever had. It was kind of hipster, you know, new age artisan kimchi. But my God, blew my mind. So I did that kind of eating yesterday. You know that kind of eating? I did it, and I kept doing it, and I'm doing it still today. I'm on a gluttonous binge, and it feels good. The point is, you could pick any day. I proved it because it was my birthday, but really, isn't that a little arbitrary? I mean, I understand, yes, I came out of the womb 39 years ago, September 15th, 81, but if I had that ability to do yesterday, do I have that ability to do tomorrow, three days from now, once a month? Should I do a monthly, not call it my birthday, but just intention day and see if it works? Intention day, try it. Pick a weird day, not tomorrow, but just pick a weird day and think if you continually do this self-fulfilling idea like today's going to be great. I'm going to get bagels and binge on those and I'm going to reach out and text a bunch of friends who I love and hopefully it'll be reciprocated and you'll hear from them. I'm going to watch a movie that I love and listen to a song that I love. If you really put together a day like this, you're capable. You can't do it every day. I realize that. I only do it, I guess, once a year for the big B day, but it was great. It was great. Now, about 10, 11, 12 years ago, I remember vividly calling out one of my friends God, how much of a jerk am I? Calling out one of my friends, one of my closest friends, who was a groomsman at my wedding, still a buddy. But years ago, this has to be, no, it's not 10, 11 years ago. It's probably like 16 years ago. Actually, I don't even know anymore. I don't know. My reference is, I've reached that age where I don't know if things were 10 years ago or 15 or 20 years ago. I just don't. But I called out a friend. I go, yo, Johnny, you forgot my birthday again. Every year, you forget my birthday. And I actually got upset. You got to love that, right? Instead of focusing on all the goodness, I pinpoint John Bush and I go, John, you bastard. It's time for you to remember my birthday. And I was on such a stupid rant and it became a joke that I said, the way to rectify this is to write a song for me. He's a musician, John Bush, who I did interview on this podcast a couple of years ago. He's been in some Very good bands. Earache My Neck, Tom's Pharmacy, Judgment Day, Sorry Mom and Dad, Water Into Blood, Cubber. He's currently in a band called Cubber. So yesterday I just got a text on my phone. And it was his current rendition of a song he wrote maybe 15 years ago. And I'm going to play that song to get out of this podcast. And he's talented. And his music has a bit of a 90s alternative something punk feel to it. I don't actually know how to describe the genre, but you're about to hear it. The song John Bush had to write me. He had to write me so I would forgive him. And now he actually never has to call me on my birthday ever again. He's got the lifetime pass because he wrote me this song. What song? This song. That's episode 108. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. I 
forgot your birthday this year Please understand when I say who cares It's just another day of the year I forgot your birthday last year